those of you who are online, I believe God that you are having the encounters also where you are. What a privileged generation we are to be able to have this kind of um, hybrid, as it is called these days, pop, uh, very famously or popularly, uh, this hybrid system of meeting where we can meet physically and virtually. What a blessed generation we are. I was invited to uh, run a men's conference for one of our sister churches in Wolverhampton last weekend, as most of you will be aware. Uh, and we did the Saturday and the Sunday. I told them that I would need to be in our service a little bit before I drive out to Wolverhampton. And uh, uh, I agreed that with the pastor. So as I was just driving out, he sent me the link to the live service on YouTube. So just before I could move, I pressed the link and presto, my phone, my phone picked it up and uh, the, the speakers of the car picked it up. So virtually for the 25 minutes I was driving to Wolverhampton, I was already in the service before I got there. So I told them, I said, we are so blessed. We have no excuse whatsoever. <laughs> this generation has no excuse whatsoever not to make it in ministry and in every other area of life because we are so blessed. Those of us that came from the analog generation will tell you how difficult it used to be. But God will continue to favor us in Jesus' name. We are on our series of Unction to Function. This is part eight. This is one of our longest series. Our series are usually in four parts, eight parts, nine parts, very rarely 12 parts. Uh, but this is one of those uh, that is in nine parts. And um, God has helped us to come through eight great topics in this series of Unction to Function. And um, you can have the messages on our LiveGate Outreach TV. Make sure you subscribe to it. And then you can see all the messages there. Also, we are on podcasts. All forms of audio podcasts that are available. If you just type LiveGate Outreach Center, you are going to find us. It will be very rare that you don't. So we are on so many. I didn't know that we are on as many because some of them tend to duplicate each other and so on. So make it, make it uh, something you can go through. Either you on the Apple uh, iOS platform or on the Android platform. Uh, and so on. So just look for LiveGate Outreach Center. You'll find all the messages there as well. So last week, Pastor Moses led us very powerfully on the topic of uh, the unction for promptness. And when God gave me that word uh, sometime last year, I was very, late last year, I was very, I was very keen to know what he wanted us to focus on. Because with these topics, you can go anywhere. I mean, promptness can mean many things. And God kept on reinforcing the fact that it will be very important we understand that we need to hear the word of God and to be able to do it as quickly as he's commanding. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage us again to listen to that as well. And I want to thank God for that very powerful delivery by Pastor Moses uh, for, for that session as well. Today, by God's grace, we are moving into session eight, as I said, and this is the unction for productive labor. This is one of those messages that Honestly, I know you have heard this from me many times, but it's just the truth. If you give me five hours on this topic, I will do it and I will still ask for more time because there is so much. I found that the work, the aspect of work is keen, is very key, rather, in the heart of God. You see, when God created man, one of the things that he first talked about was work. And believers need to understand that the dynamics of work right from man's creation has not changed. So we need to have this function to understand how we function in the area of work, but productively. That is why it is called unction for productive labor. 
Now, we have always said unction means inspiration, so I believe that is settled for us now. Unction is not just inspiration, but inspiration and enablement. So, unction is beyond motivation. Motivation can get you roused up to want to do something, but that's all it does. You find that if there is no stamina in you, if there is no drive, no push, you can't do anything. But the, the, the great thing about unction or anointing is that when it comes, it also comes with the power to do. It tells you what to do and also comes with the power to do it. So you, know, you need to know how to engage with unction. Hallelujah. We have read Job 32 verse 8 many times in the course of the last seven weeks. Say, but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. The spirit in man is good. It can do a lot. But there is something about understanding that follows, or it, that it displays when it, when it leans to the breath of the Almighty, or the inspiration of the Almighty. The Bible says that when God created man, he breathed into him and he became a living soul. And so we understand that the breath of the Almighty, the inspiration of the Almighty, is a non-negotiable for us. We limit ourselves when we don't engage with it. You can go on human intellect for so much. And human intellect is powerful, don't get me wrong. This is why people who don't know God at all can still do stuff. I was saying to the men in the, in the conference last week that, you know, I always get kind of, uh, you know, it surprises me when I hear people, especially people who should know, believers, say, we keep talking about God inspiring people and God doing this thing. How about those countries where they don't even know God or they hate God or they kill people who claim to know God? Countries like China uh, and those kind of places where they, they persecute Christians till today. How do they build those skyscrapers, those bridges that span, you know, 10, 15 kilometers across great rivers? That, means, that, is, just, that is just an indication of what the, the heart of man can do without even this breath of the Almighty. Because the breath of the Almighty is given only to as many who have that relationship with God. So there is no debating the fact that the intellectual prowess of the natural man is great. I know Christians don't like that. We like to colonize it to say it is for us. No, 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 no. When God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, that was a command given to man, the natural man. This is why any natural man can read and study and become a professor or become a scientist or become anything. They can become a huge entertainer without knowing God or even hating God. So I want us to understand the difference. When we talk about the inspiration of the Almighty, it takes you away from the realm of the natural and gives you results, like we know in scriptures, that only those who are connected to it can get. So when we're talking about this productive labor today and the place of the unction, I want you to connect very well because of what God wants to do. For you to go to the next level of your life, you need to connect to this inspiration of the Almighty. Go and ask the likes of Joseph. We'll talk about him a lot, and we'll talk about him again today. The likes of Daniel, David. These are men who walked by this inspiration. Men who had in them the natural capacity to do a lot of things, but yet they knew the place of engaging with the inspiration of the Almighty. And I pray God himself will grant us deeper understanding in Jesus' name. First John chapter 2, verse 20, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and uh, you know all things. You have the potential. I've said to you that that does not mean you are omnipotent. It simply means you have the potential to access the omnipotence of God. You have the potential to connect. You have an anointing from the omnipotent one 
and then you can know as many things that you need to know per time. If God makes you know all things, then we become equal to him. So get the scripture right. Don't say, when you are praying, don't say, I have an anointing from the Holy One, and so I know all things, and so I know all things. No, no, no. You are not knowing all things like God. You, but you have an anointing for the Holy One to know the things you need to know at that point in time. That's why Paul said, God shall supply all your need, not all your pride. <laughs> he will supply all your need. What you need per time is what he gives to you. So it is a good thing all the same. It is still a place and a position of power and authority that God gives. May God help us to walk in it in Jesus' name. So work was instituted by God as a means of establishing and sustaining his creation. It is important to stress that God is the first worker. Because every one of us must see work from this perspective. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 1, I want to read from there. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. Everybody go. And on the seventh day, God ended what? His work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Can you see the emphasis? His work, which he had done. And then verse 3. Let's read verse 3 together as well. Everybody go. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Can you see the word work he had done? Work he created? Work which he had done. To emphasize the fact that he was the first person before you and I ever showed up. He walked. Before Adam knew that he would be created at all, he showed up in and he walked. This is why we must see the place of work. Whatever work you are doing today, whatever thing God is giving you to do today, I want you to have a different perspective of it. Because many of us relegate our work in the, in the hope of a better work. It is natural with man. I remember one of our uh, senior ministers, Pastor Ashimolo, preaching a message some many, many years ago. And uh, he said he's usually surprised when you employ people and they say to you, in this job, we're going to pay you 35000 or 40000 And then the person starts the job and then he starts complaining about the money they are paying him. He said, did you read what they said they will pay you? <laughs> they told you openly, this is what we will pay you. You say, yes, give me the job. Then you started the job, you say, I'll pay me more. I know. <laughs> But well, it's very funny. That's his human being. We're never satisfied. We're never satisfied. But we must understand that there is a principle in God that when you value whatever you have per time, it is nothing for him to take you to wherever he wants to take you to. Hallelujah. But we must understand that it takes unction. Genesis, the, for us to see that he, what we read in Genesis 2, verse, up to verse 3 there, for us to see that God rested from all his work means that God himself shows that there is evidence of productivity in his labor. You do not normally rest until you have accomplished a task or part of a task, or at least that what you are doing is moving. Most of the time you keep walking, you walk it and walk it. So for God, for the Bible to say he rested, it means that there is, evident of, there is evidence of productivity in his labor. In fact, the Bible says he will look and he, the Bible will say he, and he saw that what he did was good. So God was the first person to do appraisals. Yeah? When they appraise you at work, they say that what you have done is good, isn't it? 
or it needs improvement. So God appraised himself because nobody can appraise him. Don't try to do that, okay? <laughs> Whatever he says about himself, just agree. <laughs> Hallelujah. When he says it's good, you should just agree that, yes, it is good. It is good. Then when he says it's not good, don't try to preach a message that says, ah, but God, it was good. No, he himself said it is not good for man to be what? Alone. So when he said that one was not good, don't say, ah, but God, you have done it. No, no, no. He said that was not good. And so he gave man a woman. Hallelujah. His wife. Praise the Lord. So he released this same unction on us. I don't want the scripture staying for too long on the screen, please. Screen time. Media. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Now, he also released the same unction for productivity of productive labor on the first man. That man called Adam. And I want us to see again from his story. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. He said, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To do what? To tend and keep it. Some, somebody say, walk, uh, um, say, say job specification. Say job specification. He put him in the garden and he told him specifically, this garden you are in is not just for you to be walking about like all the other animals. You have a job role here. You will tend it and you will keep it. Let's go straight to verse 16. He said, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Somebody say, The unction was instructional. Say, The unction was specific. So tend it, keep it. There is a tree. Don't touch it. You touch it, you die. Clear. Clear. When you get into any job whatsoever, I would advise you, read your job description very well. What you read before interview, you miss many things. When you start the job, when you read it very well, you will see that they wrote some things you did not see at the interview. <laughs> Especially that line that says, and any other thing as they consider <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> when I was young, they didn't used to put those things there. It was when people became very clever and they started saying that ah, this is not in my job role. This is not my level. This is not my day. So employers got very wise. They will write everything that they want you to see. Then that very last line, they will say, and any other duty as may be assigned. <laughs> because they know that there will be certain things that they may need you to do that won't be on that list because we are humans. So you must understand and know very clearly that God has instructions for every job that he gives. Now you may say, but what is the relevance of my job today? Pastor, I just, I don't feel any significant, but you hold on with me. There is an instruction in that job role that you have today that when you fulfill it, you'll see what God does in taking you to the next levels. Hallelujah. Then in verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord said, let's go back now, Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be what? Alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Somebody say the unction is assistive. So the unction also brings assistance. Every work you are doing has the assistance of God in place. God looked at the man that was tending the garden, looked at the man that was doing the work he was given, and said that this man will need a helper. Now, we know that in this case, it was a physical helper in the person of Eve, 
But we know today that we have a helper in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. When Jesus left, he told us that, that the Holy Spirit will come and he will help us. He will guide us into all truth. Many of us think that the truth is only about the truth of scripture. Many of us only understand that that truth only means the truth of the word of God, revelation of the word of God, which is true. But you see, there are certain truths about what you do. There are certain truths about your job function, your work, your business. There are certain, there are certain trade secrets that are, that are not just factual, they are important to the success of that thing which you do. And the Holy Spirit knows them all. But if as a child of God, even if people, if, even those that don't even have a relationship with God can naturally study and permutate and just look at trends and understand and engage with those things, how much more we who have the Spirit of God that can teach us all things? And so this morning I want you to leverage also the unction for assistance by the Holy Spirit. Then the third thing I want you to hold on to is in verse 19. The Bible says, out, let's read verse 19 together, everybody want to go. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And now listen to this very well. Let's read it very carefully. And brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. God did not argue with Adam. Somebody say the unction is empowering. So it is first what? Instructional. Two, it is what? Assistive. Assistive. It assists you. Assists you. It's instructional, yes. That is specific. It's part of instruction. But it is assistive. Then thirdly, it is what? Empowering. The Bible says whatever Adam called it. So God did not sit down with Adam to say, why did you call this one fish? I think it's better if you call be dog, called dog. No, 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 no. God, anything he called it, that was the name. What does that mean to you today? You see, we are empowered to walk. We don't know. Even if you are taking care of a person, let's say you are just washing somebody that cannot do that for themselves and you are a carer for them. Do you know that you are empowered to do that? Because how you do that is a deployment of the power that God gives you to help that person that cannot do that thing for themselves. So you can't make a mess of it. God is watching like he watched Adam doing those naming like he expected and God did not argue because God has given him power to do that work. There is power to do every work you are doing. There is power. When I went home to, to do my father's uh, funeral with the other members of the family, there was a school. He helped them to plant in the community and he worked very hard. And uh, those children came around. They've now gone up to secondary school. Uh, and uh, they came around to just kind of honor his life and all. It was a very moving moment. And they asked me to give a speech of a vote of thanks or something. And at the end, I said to the teachers, I said, you know something? I said, I'm a teacher myself. I've been a teacher many years. And I can tell you, teachers have so much power over their students, especially the younger ones. Because many times the words of teachers goes on with students for 40 years, 50 years later. How many people still remember what their teacher said to them, that they cannot amount to anything? You know what I'm talking about? And they never went anywhere. You have, thank God, you have amounted to something today. <laughs> but the truth is that that thing haunted you everywhere. For the next exam you want to write, you remember Miss, Miss, Miss uh, let me not call any name. You remember her, her words that say you can never amount to anything. And then you have to fight it and fight it and write that exam again. Then God help you, you pass. So you cannot just say anything. 
Because whatever you say is being empowered by God to do that work. I'm a consultant as well. There are times that I can find that there are easy ways I can do something that may not be clear to my clients or to others. Because I'm an engineer. We are clever. We are very clever. We can be very quick to see shortcuts that others are not seeing. But you know, there and there you remember that that is power that you cannot abuse. That's power that you cannot abuse. When you meet a doctor, especially a psychiatric doctor, and there are four people sat down here, the one that is not complete, you know what I mean, the, the, the psychiatric doctor will pick, it up, will pick him up in next to no time because he's trained, he's empowered to do so. But that empowerment does not give him the right to abuse that person. You get what I'm saying? Every one of us must look at our job. No matter the level, no matter what it is, you are empowered to do it. God has said, whatever you call it, that will it, that it will be. So like he was looking to Adam to perform, he's looking at you also to perform. Whether it's a business, whether it's a, a professional job or sub-professional job, management, whatever, God has empowered you. You must go ahead to continue to use that power correctly. Adam was using his power correctly. That's why God didn't argue with him. The Bible says whatever he called it, that was the name. Doing exactly what God expected. My question to you today is how are you performing at your current job? Whatever that job is. Don't say this job. I've been here 20 years. Nobody recognized me. Eh? Now they're asking me to solve that problem. I will not solve it. Let them be running about. <laughs> they said, Mr. So-so-so, we think you know this. They say, I don't know. Me too. I don't know. I don't know. Go and, go and check that place maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. God has empowered you. You keep going. You see, the truth is that man is not responsible for your progress in life. No matter who that man is. No matter who that man is. Before COVID struck, there were many people who were threatening other people. I can, I can tell you, there will be people in organizations who were threatening their colleagues with their work and things. And when COVID struck and everybody had to sit at home, within that time, Many, many reorganizations took place in jobs. By the time this door settled, some of those people threatening the people were no more having jobs. Do you understand what I'm saying? A man is so fickle and temporal. That's what James said. Every one of us must understand that we walk and always remember that God is watching. The same way he was watching the first man that he gave that job to do. He's watching. He's watching. Even when you are studying to become something, you study effectively so that you know it well. Don't just study to pass. Because when you get that certificate, what the society is saying is that you have now become a qualified so, 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 and so. So don't just study to pass exam and just study for the sake of certificate. Study to know it. That's why Paul said to Timothy, even the word of God, what do you do? You study to show yourself approved. Don't study to memorize it and be somebody quoting it all over the place. This is the problem of the body of Christ today. We have many people who speak Christianese and speak very fine. Christian, the spirit of the Lord is here and God is such a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. Gracious God. <laughs> and they don't say God. It's true. He's always God. God. But there's no depth. The first challenge that comes, you will see another human being. <laughs> There is no depth. There is no, there is no richness. There is nothing to... You know that thing that holds the good old believers like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they are threatened by their faith. You can't find that again easily because a lot of people have not studied to show themselves approved. We have a lot of ministers that have the rapport and the language and they can mesmerize and do those things. But the truth is that their character is nothing 
to, to title those words they speak. They are fraudulent people. They engage openly in adultery. They steal money of church people. They do what they like, and yet they can preach the entire scripture and give you Hebrew, Greek, and Italian. If there's... <laughs> We must understand that in every work we do, whether it is ministry related, whether it is vocational, we have a duty to know that work very well. The day I became a chartered engineer in this country in 2004, and they, we, they made us to swear the oath, they said to us, now, the society relies on you because many, many things you will do will not be checked by another person. That's why they call you a chartered engineer. You are not just an engineer anymore. You are a chartered engineer, which means that when you say something is correct, it may not be checked. It may be just out of random need, but it may not be checked by somebody else. So if they go and build it, and 100 people climb into that building, and it collapses and they die, that means even though you will, you will pay for it, you will suffer for it, but that means you have taken 100 innocent lives. Every one of us must understand there are many planes that have crashed today. Because the people who were to check one little thing or the other just didn't do the right thing or they signed it off when they have not been diligent enough to check what was wrong with that part. None of us must do our work without understanding that we have been empowered to work. I want you to see your work differently from today. Whatever your job is, I don't want to know your job, bro, job right too. It's not important. The important thing is how are you doing it? How are you engaging with it? What are you doing with it? Do you understand the responsibility of it? And that next place or that higher place you have your eyes set on, I want you to know that God never takes anyone there if they have not been faithful with the little. This is his word. It never happens. It never happens. He said, they don't know my word. What is your word? He <laughs> said, they have kept me here for too long. They don't know my word. No, don't worry about your word. God knows your word. When the time comes, your word will speak. I say to speak. But do whatever you can with what you have right where you are in the name of Jesus. So very quickly, I want to share with us what we need to understand that this unction can do for us in productive labor. We must continue to rely on the unction of the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, I'll tell you five areas, five areas. God will help me here because honestly, like I said, this can easily form five messages. The first thing is in creativity and uniqueness. Earlier on, Dr. Ephraim read very, led us very powerfully in reading our Bible reading today on Genesis chapter 31, the story of the man called Jacob. Served his father-in-law, Laban, for many years, and uh, a time came. He was losing favor because God blessed him so much because of a supernatural grace for creativity that came upon him. We read Genesis 31, for those of you who may need to reflect on it again, from verse 1 to 13. But I want to quickly point out some things from verse 9. Let's go together. Genesis 31, verse 9. So, let's go together. So, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. Verse 10. Now, let's read verse 10. Everybody, open your mouth and read it with me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And saw where? In a dream. And saw where? In a dream. Somebody say revelation. For creativity. 
He said, I saw in a dream. Let's keep going now. And behold, the rams... No, no, no. We haven't finished that verse. Please follow us very well. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. He saw it in a dream. Now, let's go to verse 11. Thank you. Then the angel of God spoke to me again in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here I am. Verse 12. And he said, verse 12, verse 12. And he said, lift your eyes now and see. All the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Verse 13, now very important. Verse 13, very important. Let's read it together. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now, arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. I want to start from that verse 13. He said, I am the God of Bethel, where you made a vow to me. Where you connected to me, where you worshipped me, where you had intense moments with me, where you engaged with me at a level where mortal men, normal men do not do. Where you came and showed that you truly valued my ability to give you unction. I'm just expounding verse 13 for you. Go back to verse 13, please. Where you demonstrated that you trusted me. I am the God of that Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. What am I trying to say here? You, if you want to be a person of creativity, you want to have the unction for creativity, you must be a deep worshipper. You must be some, when I say deep worship, I'm not saying you know how to sing a lot of songs and you have a voice that can sing songs. That is a bonus if you can. But somebody who can continuously, intensely pour out your heart and your need for God. Somebody who can continuously, the Bible says he made a vow. Somebody who can continuously assure God that your life is sold out to him. Somebody who can, who will find that with uh, resources that God gives you is nothing to you and can be given freely back to him. Somebody who will always demonstrate something that most people do not. He said, I am the God of that place. He said, and I've seen what you are suffering. That is why I'm showing you in a dream how I will multiply your flocks. The grace for creativity and uniqueness is one that every one believer has access to. The more we worship, the more we praise. The Bible says, let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. Psalm 67 verse 5. He said, and then the earth shall yield forth her increase. This is why we do praise night here. We don't do praise night just because we want to do something on a Friday at the end of the month. We pray many times. We have what we call victory prayer nights. But we also have victory praise nights. Specifically dedicated to just praising and praising and praising. And many of us can tell you over the years how God has used such times and of intense praise and worship, which is sort of collegiate and congregational, to lead us into higher things in him. So I want to encourage you. Creativity is available. The unction for creativity is available to every believer. Whatever you are doing, just be a worshiper. Just be somebody who is intense. Every morning you pray before you go into your workspace. Many of us take for granted because we do something that looks routine. So we take for granted. That's why we keep getting routine results. If you go routine, you get routine results. Some days you press into God some more and then some things that have been a problem for everybody to solve now become something easy for you to do. And then you find that that is helping you to have access in certain ways. 
When I meet people who are saying that they are trying to settle into their careers and they come to me and they, whatever they come from, because by God's grace, I've been privileged to have a career of about three decades that has been consistently both industrial and academic and ministry, consistently to the glory of God. And um, so when people come in different aspects, whether it's ministry, whether it's uh, academics or, or, or professional life, especially those who are into my area of profession, I say to them, the first thing you need in life is to pray to God to give you your own uniqueness. You have to pray to God to give you your own uniqueness and your ability to be creative with it, whatever level you are. The moment you are in an organization and that uniqueness stands out, you become indispensable. Even if you are the cleaner. Even if you are the cleaner. Have you ever seen where, where top management want to meet and uh, they, 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 they are asking for a particular cleaner to be the one to, to prepare the place for them? Have you ever heard such thing? They said, we want this person. Because they know that when that person does it and they come into the room the next day, they are not going to embarrass the dignitaries coming. And when they call some people, they know that they are the one. They say, please don't bring that person here. <laughs> you don't want to be a worker like that. That is a cleaner. A cleaner. You don't want to be a worker like that. You want to be one who is creative. One who is unique. One who stands out not because he's, he or she is pushing themselves and doing the rat race and fighting others. That's not what I'm talking about. That is absolute nonsense. You don't do that as a child of God. You just need to wait on God. And as he inspires you, you take steps. As he puts words in your mouth, you speak them. As he gives you actions to take, you take them. As he puts you in the place where they're asking questions and you have solutions like Joseph, Daniel, all those men did. You provide those solutions. God will baptize you afresh with the grace for creativity and uniqueness in the name of Jesus. Number two, this function is also for diligent work ethic. Diligent work ethic. This means working hard in a productive way. Diligence means working consistently hard, productively. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Let's read that together. He said, do you see a man who excels in his work? Some translations say, or versions say, do you see a man who is diligent in his work? He will do what? Stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Every one of us must understand that this is very important. Jesus came and taught us that diligence is within a window of opportunity. You see, there are certain things that whilst we know that God is a God of second chances and so many things and we are, a, we are a country today that promotes lifelong learning and it is beautiful, it's wonderful. I used to have a PhD student who was 72 when he started. Uh, sadly, he died at 74, but at least he had two years with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. We celebrated him those years. I, everywhere I went to preach, this was about almost 10 years ago now. Everywhere I went to preach, I talked about him. John, his name was. Retired engineer, he came back to the university. I said, John, what do you want to do with a PhD? He said, I have worked, I have retired, and I found that every day I sit at home, I am really bored. So I said to myself, what is the one more thing I need to do? Let me go and enroll for PhD. <laughs> and he applied, he brought a fantastic proposal, and we gave it to him. But sadly, John, John died two years into that, uh, that job, that uh, PhD. But you know, the truth is, we are a country blessed like that. You can, you can do anything at any stage, you, there is no giving up. So, and, I'm, and I'm aware of that. But you see, there is something also Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4. Let's read this. There is something that we must understand about diligence that we should not joke with. Let's read together. He said, I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can walk. Now, when many of us read this, we think of 
after the rapture, all those kind of time as the night. That is one night that affects everybody, whoever you are. But you see, for every phase of life, there is a particular night. There's a particular night. Okay? There's a particular night. If I, if I shave very well, eh? if I shave very well, very, very well, and I dye my hair, that you don't see any gray. If I stay with our under 21 in my country, they will count me as one of them. <laughs> because I've seen some people who did that virtually. <laughs> they will count me as one of them. But the truth is that if we start playing, <laughs> evidence will suggest that this guy is very old. <laughs> evidence will show that this man is not running like a proper under 21. He has stamina. He can play some, but the way he's running. You see, we used to have a, I can say this now, I can't embarrass him anymore because I don't even think he's still alive. Philip Osondu, is he still alive? Those of you that know him, is he still alive? Okay, thank God, because I heard something some time back. But it's common knowledge now, so I can't embarrass him anymore. We played under 17 in China some years back. And this man played wonderfully well, scored so many goals. We didn't know that Philip Ozondo was not 17 years old. So after the game, they wanted these, the recruiters came. And they said, ah, you have played so well that we want to recruit you and uh, we will put you in a junior academy. We'll feed you up so that you can grow because he was a very small stature. That man can't grow anywhere again. So they put him in the academy and we are pumping him up with the food. Instead of growing this way, Osondu was growing, <laughs> was growing horizontally. They say something is wrong. We have done research. <laughs> we have done research that shows us that this thing should take you up. Not <laughs> so they took him to the dentist to check his teeth. That's when they saw grandfather's teeth. <laughs> Then he confessed, he said, actually, I'm not 17 years old. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is a time for everything. Jesus said, I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day. I want you to know, friends, that when God gives you an opportunity to do something, don't mess it up. It is the day that you have. Engage with that walk because there is a night that is going to come that will have to move you to another level. And whether you like it or not, you have to move. The workplace is so dynamic now. Most of the young people coming into work in their early 20s, mid-20s, are very sharp. They are very clever. They are very IT savvy. So most employers are trying to keep the balance between experience and this innovation, creativity, sharpness. And it's a big challenge. So most people my age and above who... Uh, who in many cases are a bit slower on the sort of IT techie side but have years of experience are still in their jobs. But you see, if you don't upgrade yourself while it is day to make sure you are using tools and engaging with the software and systems, in another five years, those boys will be 30 years old. They would have had five years experience and I've seen it sadly many times. They just gently push out those ones at the other end because now these guys have a little bit of experience they can cope with. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying it to scare us. I'm only saying it to, for us to understand that this is the reality of the world today. Any pastor that does not tell you this doesn't like you. Upgrade. Upskill. Keep moving. Don't stop. 
Don't stop whatever you are doing. When I, I used to go to London a lot when I did some work for the Institution of Civil Engineers around 2005, right up to 2015-16. And uh, I would meet some of our people from my background in Nigeria. I would meet some of them and, you know, they're, they're, they're cleaning and doing things there. I was privileged. I used to come there as one of the delegates and so on uh, because of the work we were doing. So thank God for that. But when I meet some of them and we're engaging, I used to like what I hear from many of them. When they talk, they say, but... Are you, they, 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 they would say, we've heard your name. You are this person. You are the author of this book and blah, blah, blah. blah. We talk like that because they work in that institution. And then they'll say to me, you know, we're very, very pleased for you and all that. Then I'll ask them, what are you doing now? They say, oh, I'm doing this work now, but I'm doing my MBA. I used to like that. I'm studying for this. I'm studying for that. I'm pushing myself for this. But this work, I do it part-time, every, every week, twice a week, and so on. You can't stop. You can't stop. Why should you not stop? Because God still has potential deposited in you. I'm not saying everybody should go back to university or go back to school. But train for something. Train for something. Keep encouraging. Keep uh, updating your knowledge in something that will help you to rise. Don't stay where you are. Whether you are in business, whether you are in, uh, in, an, in an organization, whether you are in a civil service, whether you are in a private sector, keep upskilling. Every day, make it a point of duty to learn something. This is my wife and I, our policy. We must learn one thing, one new thing. And when one person learns the new thing, he tells the other. Do you know what I found out today? <laughs> this is it. Not gossip of people. Some couples, that's all they do. When they say, do you know what I found out today? They say, brother, this. Hey, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time for that. I say, I just found out that in this country, they are doing this, 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 like this. Ah, really? Yeah. Then later on, in another two hours, she said, you know, I just read this from the Bible. Anything, anything. You keep you keep updating yourself for this diligence to come true. Jesus personified work ethic of the Godhead. John 5, 17. Jesus answered them. He said, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Somebody say, I have been working. Say, I have been working. And I will continue to work. Say, my father has been working until now and I have been working. I only came to demonstrate to the world physically what my father was doing spiritually before man was even created. He said, I only came to show that work is part of God's agenda for man's productivity and man's increase. So the earthly work is now happening through the Holy Spirit in us. That's why scriptures like Philippians 2.13 will say, according to the power that is at work in us. God is able to help us to do all things. We can do all things because of the power that is at work in us. Ephesians 3.20 will tell us that now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we can ask or think according to the power that is where at work in us. There is a power at work in you. Don't leave it dormant. Don't leave it dormant. Don't let anything stop you where you are, because that power that is at work in you is crying to make an expression in and through your life. Number three, what's the first one before we, I go on? Creativity and uniqueness. Number two, diligence and work ethics. Diligence and work ethics. And then number three is favor with God and man. As basic as this may sound, if you are a worker without favor, you will struggle. You need favor. And I want you to engage with what I want to say very shortly so that you understand. Many of us look at favor in one direction. 
We read Luke 2.52 a lot when we talk about the favor Jesus enjoyed. The Bible says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. It's Luke 2.52. He increased in favor with God and men. You see, favor with God makes room for divine ideas, divine guidance, divine protection, divine intervention. Every one of those words, divine supplies, where you have favor with God, you have divine ideas. We just talked about creativity. Where you have favor with God, you have divine guidance. He leads you the way to go. When you have favor with God, you have divine protection. He makes sure that no evil is ever allowed to truly befall you. They set things up in the workplace these days. They set people up. And, and sadly, people do fall. People do get entrapped with the wickedness that is in the workplace and the business world of today. But divine protection always keeps those that have favor with God. Hallelujah. You need to have favor with God so that you can enjoy every kind. This is why we saw Jesus being delivered when, even, when he was even a baby and he had to be taken to Egypt because of Herod that was about to kill him. We saw him enjoy divine ideas in John chapter 6 when he multiplied the miracle of loaves and the fish and fed thousands and thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. We can go on. So we need favor with God. Say, Lord, I thank you that I have favor with you. Help me to keep enjoying it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, favor with man. This one enables your earthly manifestation or the earthly manifestation of every divinely orchestrated promotion. What do I mean by that? When God promotes a person, gives a person a dream, let's use the common example of Joseph. There is a need to pass through men. In fact, the influence was going to be released through a man called Pharaoh. It has to be favor to favor to favor to get with men to get Joseph to that man called Pharaoh who would ultimately release that God-given promotion. Do you understand what I'm saying? So while we always say the promotion is not in the hand of man, it comes from God, it's just very true, but there are human agents that God puts along the way to take you from one step to the other. And you cannot do anything without passing through them. Do you understand what I'm saying? If they are not cooperating, that is a different matter. God can remove them and put somebody else, but he will still bring somebody anyway. So every one of us must understand this very, very importantly. Whatever God gives to us are those things. Many times people say, Lord, get, grant me favor. Grant me favor with people. Grant me favor. It's good prayer, but what can you find around you? Esther did not, we didn't know whether she, she, she could speak eloquently. We don't know whether she was, you know, brilliant and those kind of things. But one thing we knew she had was what? How what? You don't want to say it? Beauty. Ah, are you afraid to say You are not a sinner by saying so. That's Bible. <laughs> you are not a sinner by saying Esther was beautiful. That is, that is what the Bible says. She was very beautiful. And God gave her favor in the eye of the person that mattered. So she came into the palace and we know her story. She was able to intervene when there was a need for the voice to intercede in the palace. The only credential that gave her that favor was her beauty. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be beautiful to all the time to have to enjoy that kind of favor. You are beautiful as you are. Praise the Lord. 
So don't go and do anything to yourself to be an Esther. You are already an Esther. In fact, better than an Esther in Jesus' name. But the truth is that Esther's beauty, Daniel's excellence, the Bible says an excellent spirit was found in him. That distinguishing spirit where you are part of a team, you stand out. Don't joke with it. If you see that your children keep coming back every, every time or every year that they made them class rep, uh, this is head boy. Don't say, oh, very good. No, mark that child. Mark that child. Not every child gets being picked up as head boy and, and, and class rep all the time. Throughout my school life, many of you know my story. I started reading at age three, thanks to my mom. I always thank her for it. So by the time I was four years old, I started primary one. I never went to nursery school, none of those things. I went straight to primary school with my elder siblings. And one day I said, I'm not going back. They used to take me. When they dropped them, they would take me back home. One day, I just said, I'm not going back home. I want to start school today. And my father said, what's wrong with you? You can't start school. You are too young. Let's go. Let's go. So I was dragging with him. No, I'm not entering the car. Oh, no, no. Then the headmistress saw me at the gate with him. So my dad was a bit embarrassed. He said, I don't know why this guy is insisting he has to start. Then the, the woman said, come. Let him come. Let him come. So it, she interviewed me. And she said, could I read the alphabets? I said, I can write them. <laughs> she said, I said, I can even write my name. Then she brought me. Those days we use, you know, boards like a slate. We call them slates, isn't it? And uh, with the chalk. She brought them to me. I said, I don't use this anymore. I can use pencil. She said, what? Because I was tiny, four years old. She gave me those rule sheets, and I wrote my name. It went across the line quite okay, but it was still, <laughs> it was still my handwriting with my full name, David Oloke. And the woman called the, the, the teacher that was responsible for uniforms. Those days, they used to stock those uniforms in the school. She said, get him uniforms today. I smiled. <laughs> As if I've just won the lottery or something. <laughs> I was so happy. I'm starting school. And that was how I started school. When they gave me the uniform, it was supposed to be short sleeve. It got to this place, and the shorts were up to there. I didn't care. I went into the class like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But my, my parents noticed that this guy is always, throughout school, I will be the youngest in every class, every class, till I finish university. I was always either the youngest or one of the two that are youngest, always. That was my life throughout. Because by 20, I was a, an engineering graduate. So, but in every class, right up to the end, I was the vice president of the Engineering Students Association when we finished. I will always be selected for something. Class monitor, class this, this rep. So there is a way God shows right from the beginning. When you find it, it is a grace God puts there. It will give you favor. It's a skill set that God will make to give you favor in places. Joseph's insight, I can go on and on, gave him favor. Joseph's story is very interesting. He had favor in the house of Potiphar. If you read Genesis chapter 39, if you read verse 2 to 4, he had favor in the eyes of Potiphar. If you read, go down to verse 21, he had favor in prison. Amazing stuff. And God, who knows where he's taking you to, will help you to enjoy favor from stage to stage. You just need to be sensitive to it. And keep applying yourself. One of the secrets of Joseph is that whether it was Potiphar's house or prison, he was never a slack worker. He was an excellent worker. Even when he got to prison and they made him head of the prisoners, he would go around and say, what's troubling you? What's happening? They were all prisoners. Not that he was coming from us. He too was locked up inside there. <laughs> Some other people would go to one corner and say, this is my life. <laughs> God showed me throne. You see where I am now? God, you are wicked. <laughs> Joseph would go around chatting everybody up, encouraging them. 
No wonder God felt that this one has passed all the tests I need him to pass. Friends, favor will always speak for you. What I want you to know that favor doesn't just promote. At times, favor stops you. This you may never have heard before, but I'm telling you my life now. Favor stops you at a time because what is God's plan for you is not where you think you are going. Many years ago, some of you know this story. I got a job. I was just 23 years old. I just finished my master's, got a lecturing job. I was still living, of course, in Nigeria then, my home country. And I got this job. Everybody said I did well at the interview, but the dean who was to sign it off just refused to sign it off. He signed off every other person that were my colleagues. They got their appointments. When it got to my time, he refused. My father and I had to go and see him at the advice of the head of the department. And for the first time in my life, I saw the audacity of a human being to a fellow human being. He said, I was told he did very well. I was told he was even the best of the candidates. He said, but I do not want him here. These were his words. My father and I were dumbfounded. We couldn't believe that. I asked my dad, does he have a right to do that? Because my dad was also a dean at another institution. I said, does he have a right? My dad said, he doesn't think so, but obviously he's flexing it, and if the institution respects that, we haven't got a choice. We got back into the car, we're driving home, and the two of us were just so quiet because it was like, is this for real? You have a job, you've been offered, you went to interview, and then one human being, not a panel, not anything, says, I don't want him, and that was it. Two years fast forward, this was 1992, two years fast forward, God gave me a job that changed my life completely. Two years into that job, I started representing the company I now found all over the world. And I worked in that company for six years before coming to this country ultimately. It was clear to me later, much later, that God did not want me in that institution. That man thought he was stopping me. Like Joseph said to his brothers, he said, you thought you meant it for evil. But God turned it out for my good. Hallelujah. Fast forward, come to present day. Come to present day. I've been working with my institution now, give and take, since I came to this country. I only went out about three years to work in industry. When I came back to work here, uh, this is at the university I currently work, I, I just, you know, I was called back, given it a position, and I enjoyed it. Then a time came, I felt I wanted to be promoted because there's the opportunity. And I applied first time, it was denied. I applied second time, it was denied. Then I stopped applying. I stopped applying. I was really, really furious because I felt the politics was too much. But I just carried on. I just carried on doing my work. Many people would say, but this, that, that, that. But I kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on. What I found is that favor does not always just push you into something. At times, favor deliberately holds you down and because of God's plan for your life. At times, favor takes you to prison. You don't like to hear that, but it does. <laughs> because the man who will make you meet Pharaoh is in prison. Hallelujah. So at times, favor does certain things. John, Psalm 5.12 says, you will encompass him round about with favor as with a shield. So favor has a way of protecting you. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of it is destruction. And favor knows. So when you are going that way, you want that promotion, you want it this way, you want it that way. Favor knows that, no, 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 God has a bigger plan for you. So he protects you from it. May you not be frustrated when favor is working for you. In the name of Jesus. 
Because you see, some of us grew from the, the background where all we hear about favor is that it just pushes you on, pushes you on. You keep going. <laughs> At times, favor keeps you in a place. So this year, I felt I needed to apply again. And I applied. And then I got blocked again the third time. This time around, I didn't take it light. I said, Lord, I believe that I'm due for this. I believe I'm due for this. So I spoke to one of my mentors. He said, send me your CV. I sent him the CV. He said, what? He said, you have the CV? And this is what you've been doing all along? I said, I've never applied outside this institution since 2009 that I got back. I never, not even tried industry or anything. Never. Just doing my thing. And he said to me, said, this your CV is three times what you have, what they are giving you now. That is in terms of position. You go apply for this kind of position, this kind. I said, me? He said, yeah. He said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I sent out my CV to four places. Three of them called me for interview. Three people called me for interview. Two gave offers. The third one had to cancel the interview because I took one of the offers at last. And I'm pleased to let you know God has taken me very, very high. God has taken me very, very high. In the name of Jesus. My God dumbfounded the enemy. Even the position I was trying to get just four months ago was offered to me in another institution. I had to turn it down because God took me two steps higher than that. Took me two steps higher than that. It looks like a dream. I tell you, as I speak to you, I still feel I am dreaming because not in my immediate imagination Will I have thought, I would think in the way we calculate things in academia, I would say maybe in another five, six years, if I'm allowed to move on, I'll get to where we're talking now, maybe even more. Because this is a senior management role in a university that I will be directly responsible to a pro-vice-chancellor as opposed to a dean of a faculty because I have oversight of a whole department across the entire university to the glory of God. Hallelujah. I share this not because I want to make a blab or boast, but because I want to tell you God knows. God knows. <laughs> when they thought they were stopping Joseph by selling him off and that woman thought she put him in prison, it looked as if this is it. In fact, his brother said at a point, let us kill him to see what becomes of his dream. <laughs> he said, let's kill him. Behold the dreamer. Let's kill him to see what becomes of his dream. Genesis 37. I want to assure you, friends, that God has you in the palm of his hands. And if it is true, what I've just shared with you about my life in 1992 and just last week, if they are all true stories, that it is impossible for man or a system to hold you down, because of the greater things God has for you, I decree that you will see much more in your life. In the name of Jesus, Peter said, such as I have, I give to you. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. I tell you, this is my testimony, and it is just the beginning of many more testimonies we'll be seeing here. In the mighty name of Jesus. Very quickly, we need to have a lifestyle of faith. We know that from Genesis 26. Very similar to what we talked about favor, Isaac was a man of faith. He dug a well, they closed it. He dug a well, they closed it until God took him to his Rehoboth. But I want to quickly read Genesis 26, 
verse 12. In a land of famine, where things were tight, the Bible says Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped. Keep having faith in God. There is famine. It doesn't look as if the seeds will produce. Keep sowing the seed. Keep doing the right thing. And God will cause you to reap your own hundredfold in the mighty name of Jesus. Finally, a lifestyle of integrity. A lifestyle of integrity. This is so important. Integrity is a product of God's grace. Integrity means that you are somebody. Acts chapter 20, we read the story of uh, Paul. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. The Bible says, Paul said, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of what? His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. May God continue to give you your own inheritance. In the mighty name of Jesus, as you embrace the word of his grace, may God cause you to be a person of integrity. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's read verse 33 together very quickly. He said, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Whatever you do, never, as I was giving you the story of people, uh, of my institution, people were being promoted by my side. I always rejoiced with them. The person I was, his internal examiner at PhD, when he was doing his own PhD, they promoted him before me, way, way, way before me. I rejoice with him. I still rejoice with him. You have to find a way to keep making sure that you are not coveting anyone's silver. Maintain integrity. Let your heart be clean. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing, the Bible says. Keep, keep encouraging those who are going along. Whatever is your situation that God sees. Paul said, I have not coveted anyone's silver of gold. But look at what he said, verse 34. He said, yes, verse 34, thank you. Yes, you yourself know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. Which means, God, look at your hands and say, Lord, continue to bless the work of my hands. Lord, continue to bless the work of my hands. Help me to maintain integrity. These hands will not go into iniquity. These hands will not write the wrong emails. These hands will not covet any man's gold. It will not covet any man's wife. It will not covet any man's spouse. It will not covet any man's money. It will not covet any man's position. These hands will work and be diligent. These hands will be productive to speak of your goodness all the time. In the name of Jesus. Paul said, you saw these hands. These hands provided. Hallelujah. Verse 35. Very quickly, let's read verse 35. He said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I like what he said. I have shown you in every way by laboring. Let's keep laboring. Let's keep laboring. I don't encourage laziness at all. I work hard. My wife will tell you I can sit down for 12 hours and work don't overwork, but whatever you do, never underwork. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is very possible to underwork. Be a person that values work. He said, I have shown you by laboring like this, by working like this, that you have capacity to support the weak. You must be somebody who enjoys work. Not a workaholic, but be somebody who can work. God wants you to be able to support the weak. He wants you, if I showed you emails and text messages, inboxes of people we support to help get through things, widows and things, elderly people, every time we have work to do, we have to keep supporting people, even at times within the church. People have burdens and issues. At times you have to step in. This is why we must work. 
And so we must be trusting God to give us that integrity to continue to make it in Jesus' name. Colossians 3.23 is my last scripture today. He said, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Please, Colossians 3, verse 24 now. Thank you. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord. The Lord will continue to reward you. I said the Lord will continue to reward you. Never ever, go back to verse 23, your work is not unto man. Whether it is in the ministry or in that workplace, your work is unto who? Unto the Lord. And as you walk unto the Lord, the God of promotion will lift you high. In Jesus' name. Rise to your feet and let's go.